combat divas Stomp your left, right, left Combat divas Hey! Dan's like to do that now. <laughs> Yo! Welcome back to the Combat Divas Podcast. It's your girl, TG. And your girl, Tanisha Bing. And we are back, 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 back <laughs> for another thing. episode. <laughs> Happy Memorial Day. And uh, we're actually recording on Memorial Day uh, yeah. today. And it's a holiday. We on, well, this whole weekend, we really devoted towards Memorial Day. We kicked it off on Friday, which is why we didn't have an episode, and we were out uh, ruck marching uh, for 20 miles. Ooh, and we still feel it today. I still we feel still it. We still feel it today. But in, in my calves. It was, <laughs> I feel it in my shins. <laughs> you know, I couldn't really walk too much uh, over the weekend, yeah. so, you know, everything was a little, little puffy, a little mm-hmm. slow, just, you know, but it was for a great cause. It was definitely for a great cause. Um, we got a chance to walk from Glencoe, Illinois, all the way to North Avenue in Chicago. It's a long way. And we, you know, we had some halfway points. We had people that was along the route um, telling us how long we had left. We had people giving us water, snacks, and it was it was a good time. It was you putting your body to the test and see <laughs> yeah. how far you can really push yourself. And we, we pushed ourselves from beginning to the end. To the limit. I mean, to the limit. My, my feet was hurt. I didn't get no blisters, but Tanisha got, B got a blister. I got like one. <clears throat> but, it, I mean, it's a, it's a decrease from I did it the last couple of years. So I did it um, in 2017, 2018, and then this was my my third time doing it. Because I think the first time I was like, ah, who would do this? I'll never do this again. <laughs> it was like, you coming next year? Yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> I'll be there. <laughs> so shout out to Ruckett Chicago. And they put this on every year, and um, it's to raise awareness and resources. Uh, the awareness is for uh, suicide among uh, the veteran community. The numbers say that tw- at least 22 people, veterans, commit suicide every day. Yeah. And uh, that's just such a high number. So, we, you know, we're raising awareness and doing something about it because, I mean, we could talk about it all day, but, you know, this weekend was about putting our money where our mouth was or our, our feet. <laughs> Put our feet where I'm out. Yeah, definitely. And uh <laughs> and we rucked it. I mean, it was a great turnout. It started out kind of bumpy. It was it was a little chilly outside. It was raining like crazy. Yeah. It was puddles everywhere. And we were like trying to register and it was like just water everywhere. Just man. man. And Tanisha B didn't want to step in the water. No. I thankfully had on boots. That's what's up. Them boots was a lifesaver. I was stepping in puddles and everything. Man. Like ah. You think I'm she good. had on some rain boots? She just went every single puddle like splash, splash, splash. I started splash. stepping it out of like a little ass kid. She like, she like, let's go, Tanisha. I was like, yeah, no, nah, no, nah, cause let me just walk around. <laughs> no, nah, you go ahead, you step over there. I'm let me walk just around the like I'm bouncing around like it's little landmines walking around. Cause, <laughs> because the the worst thing you want to do is start off any walk or run with soggy, mushy feet, mm. and that's what I didn't want to do. And a lot of people, they as soon as they stepped in the first puddle, they was like, forget it. They just started. Splashing I'm like, I can't I can't walk with no no nasty squishy <clears throat> feet. And that's when you that's nasty. what that's when you get all them dang on blisters and your, yeah. your skin peeling. Like I don't I don't want them problems. That's when you mess up your feet for real. I, I mean I thought it was my age, but I mean I just I don't care how old you are. <laughs> if you walk 20 miles, you tired. I'm sorry. Like you hurt everywhere. Yeah. From from I mean your feet definitely, but after a while your feet get numb. I I think I didn't feel nothing for at least three miles. Like it was just, I was just walking. There was nothing there. 
they had those hula hula people that was out there running. And I was like, no, nah, I, I couldn't even, I couldn't even do it. Some but, people ran like miles of this. Yeah, yeah. I think that I mean it did all comes down to you know whether your body is conditioned because I, I, I mean I run. I'm like I exercise and stuff like that. But like you have to have a whole nother mindset to run. It's intense. That's the that's that marathon stuff. Like you have to like really take your mind and your body elsewhere, and you have to keep the same heart rate and. And knowing yeah. when to drink water, yeah. know exactly when to eat a snack on the way. Like it's 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 some training involved with that. Even with drinking water, like it's tricky because you, you know you need to, but at the same time you don't want to have to always use the bathroom because yeah. you walking, you just walking in the street, so it's not like oh I'll take a little rest stop. Like you gotta wait till you get to a porta potty or an establishment that'll let you in and use the bathroom. Yeah. So I found myself trying to limit. My <laughs> my water, water intake. intake, but at the same time I had to use the bathroom, so it was just like, all right, where, where's the porta potty? Where's you the porta potty? You got to dehydrate You know, it it was it was intense. This is my first year doing it. Tanisha B do it every year, yeah. and I mean, it really stretched me to no end. And but it affected us personally as well because we had two uh, soldiers that we knew personally. Uh, one of which was in opportune, and I mean, with us in Iraq, yeah. um, uh, J Mo Perry. So shout out to Goose. Rest, rest in heaven. Um, you know, he just ha- had a bout. And the only thing about the veteran suicide is that you you honestly don't know who's going through anything because it's not like neither one of them like had all the red flags or anything like that. Especially yeah. the 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 secondary person who committed suicide, um, uh, Staff Sergeant De Leon, and that was rough on us too. And it was just like because there was no no signs, signs that we that anybody needed to step in and help. And that leaves kind of us feeling like, okay, we got to do more to raise awareness because you just you just don't know. And you yeah. want people to be comfortable with coming forward and saying, hey, I got this problem. And so we can work through it as a community and they don't feel like, you know, the world is all on their shoulders. So, Because um, when we was in, um, we was in Kuwait, um, this was my, well, TG and I's second, second deployment. Right. So I remember they, them giving, um, I had went through like a week-long class for, um, for like, they call it. I think it calls like an ACE class for like awareness, mm-hmm. um, something. I, I forgot the uh, the acronym. We know the military. We got a lot of ask, acronyms. Ask. Is it something? I I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to mess up. I know the E was the, escort. So, but go ahead. I'm listening. But um, no, it was a class that uh for like suicide awareness, and we went through a week long class to try to spot the signs and the the war- like just the warning signs of a person that may be suicidal. Mm-hmm. And the scariest part is just like the ones that actually followed through on committed suicide, you you didn't see none of those key signs mm-hmm. to like, okay, giving away their possessions, mm-hmm. um, withdrawn, not mm-hmm. speaking a lot and just kind of like, you know, um, secluding herself off or talking in the past tense or, you know, mm-hmm. none of those things that you get a chance to see. I'm like, I know... Um, Perry, Specialist Perry, at the time he when we was overseas, like he was struggling with some stuff, you know, like but like at home stuff. But it was like he's always laughing, always joking, always dancing. Always. Like <laughs> you, you could never not see him, and he ain't laughing goofy. and dancing and being extremely goofy. And yeah. then we get home, and it's just uh something else. It's it's hard to transition, you know. Um, and that's when that's when we talk about battle mind. Because you go from being hypervigilant on top of your game, just like everything's going on, you're a part of something so big, you know, you never alone, you know, because we was all really in that, in that together. Like, yeah. we was a part of something great. And then to get back home and it's just like, 
life slows down tremendously. And that's that takes some getting used to. So transition from combat ready to, oh, wait, okay, I can relax, is is in itself a shocker. And I think that, that that's part of that PTSD where we're trying to figure out like a nice middle ground where I still got all these memories and hyper, you know, vigilant behavior, but like I got to chill, you know, yeah. or, you know, I was a part of something so big when I was over there and I got back home and it's like, okay, where do I fit? Exactly. And that's the biggest part, I think, with a lot of veterans, even when they get out. It's like, because you know everything in the military. You know where everybody stands. You know hierarchy. You know rank. You know how everything is going to go it's pretty so much every day. I mean, you flexible still, but you pretty much know what's right. going to end up happening. To come home, it's just like, you have to create that structure now because it's, like, it's not created for you pretty much. Yeah, so. You have to kind of like uh, adapt and kind of roll into what was already in place mm-hmm. while you were gone. Mm-hmm. When you're overseas, like you were saying, there's so much structure. So everything is, boom, we're going to do this do this at 08. All right, boom, we're going to do this at 1300 and 2000, this, this, this. Mm-hmm. Like we know all the boom, 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 by the number scheduling time and what you're yeah. going to do. And then it's like when you're overseas, everything stood still. It's like time stood still, yeah. but in its own little way. And mm-hmm. then you get home and everything is so different from when you were there 12 months ago. Absolutely. And you trying to find your way and trying to find a way to integrate yourself into your family, whether it, if you have um, a wife and kids or a husband and kids or just you and your spouse or girlfriend or just family, period. Mm-hmm. And you have some adjustment issues. Yeah. I- and that gets frustrating and you don't know exactly like how to... Just be. Yeah. <laughs> and they telling you like, no, no, no. So we don't do this anymore. We do it like this. Oh, no, 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 no. This is not this mm-hmm. anymore. We do it this way. Or if you come back in your neighborhood has yeah. went through uh, uh, just a whole different makeover. <laughs> now it was like, all right, so I'm going to go to this restaurant, my favorite restaurant. Oh, I can't wait <laughs> to get some of this this sub or, right. or this steak or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then that, that place is gone mm-hmm. and it's a building there and it's like, a I don't know, a Costco or something. You know, just, <laughs> you know, just something. Yeah. And you and you feeling like, ah. Oh, like everything I know and and remember, everything is gone. How do I cope? And it's it could make a person spiral. Yeah, it. I mean, when I came home, personally, I had a lot of transition, just issues because after my first deployment, you know, if you never deployed before, it, it feels different. You know, either way, you know. So anyway, my first deployment went over. You know, for twelve months having a ball, not always a ball because it was a really rough <laughs> deployment, but you made it what it was. Then come back home and it's like, and I was at a pivotal moment because it was like everybody was either graduating from college when I came back home or, you know, we're going to grad school or whatever. And I had kind of put my life on hold for a couple of years because I was with the military. So after that, I had to figure out, you know, where I kind of stood, even with friends and stuff like that, because everybody either went to college or coming out of college. And I, I used to tell my friends, like, I kind of feel like, you know, life stood still for me. But everybody else was just kind of moving on. Now I'm just trying to jump back in where I fit in. Then tried to go back to college, but hated it. So I'm like, ah, <laughs> I don't have the patience and discipline for school anymore because it's just, it's just so. I, I don't know. For me, it, it just wasn't the same. You just kind of over it. You're like, ah, yeah. It was these, like whatever. I'm ready to do something else. These like, people just don't realize how good they have it. <laughs> <Yeah>. Like <laughs> you get to judgy mode. Like, yeah, because you, you have all these things and, and like I was talking in jargon in class. Nobody knew what I was talking about ever. 
or say things like man child and stuff like that. And then I couldn't find like real words. I'm like child, child. What's the word for child? And somebody was like uh, lunch. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so you just you 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 forget how to be a normal quote unquote um, human being, and it's just like it's you have a new normal, and so you tend to gravitate towards people who've been there with you, and so that's how you get like these nice clans of battle buddies because. They actually know what you're going through. Yeah, and it kind of it kind of sucks you into a, like a state of a depression if you mm-hmm. if you really cannot adjust. And then when you get into that mindset of your your dark spaces, and then your mind starts to play tricks on you and making you feel like you're better off not being here since you just can't get it together. Mm-hmm. And it's a that's a really scary place um, to be. I yeah. was reading something online and it was saying the trauma can be more deadly than the war itself. It said mm. more of our brothers and sisters die. More of our brothers and sisters die from um from suicide than combat. So from 2001 to 2014, vet suicides have jumped 32%. There are so many vet services in place to help veterans, but are they really helping our soldiers? I'm like, I myself suffer from, you know, from PTSD and I I've utilized some of these services that mm-hmm. they provide. And I feel like they cannot really connect with the veteran, a person that has been through combat, because a lot of times you're talking to these people at the VA and they have never (laughs) spent a day Mm -hmm. in the service. And even if they have been to the service, they did their four years and got out, or they did their six years on the reserve status and they got out and they never seen uh, one day of, you know, of theater. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how can you... <coughs> theater means can, combat. Go ahead, I'm <laughs> I was like, how can you <laughs> relate to me um, far as things that I've seen, things that I've experienced, uh, just a whole nother environment um, being in a different, completely different country that set up different from you growing up in the US mm-hmm. is it was just it's like how can you can you how can you talk to me about what's going on with me so it's like yeah. now you want me to talk about my issues and why why I'm feeling the way that I'm feeling and why does this noise scare me and why does this smell you know sends me into a spiral why this traumatic event that happened to me um you know why that affects me or you being alongside one of your friends and you talking to them and and you all sitting around a fire at night and talking and chatting, and then that person goes on a convoy the next day mm-hmm. and don't come back. Yeah. So you talking to them about these traumas, and you just getting it all out, but it's like you're not really getting it out. It's like it's just bringing it up to the surface. Yeah. And they don't really know how to get it off your surface. They don't know how to clear that that surface to make yeah. you feel better. So now it's like. All right, and they don't really give you any advice, and I'm not sure if they're supposed to really give you advice, or but I feel like yeah. they're supposed to give you some type of tools, but you just rushing us through to get to the next person, and now you didn't unearth all these feelings, mm-hmm. and now I get to leave your office after 45 minutes to 50 minutes. Now I'm feeling like shit. Mm-hmm. Now I'm trying to figure out, okay, so now how can I get all these thoughts out of my head that I had sitting here talking to you and you don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Right. And I, I think it's some therapists, like I've had some good ones, you know, throughout the VA system. And and some of them are just not so great. So, I mean, navigating the VA system itself is horrifying. But um, if you do, you know, if you can get in there and get a good person, then that's, I mean, it, it helps tremendously. And even if you go through the VA system and you don't get a good person, try to find a private sector, you know, tr- just if you can, you know, or the vet center or something like that, just to 
get to get it out and then get the tools. Like, and that's what I really needed was the tools. Like, okay, I, I'll help myself. I just don't quite know how to navigate. So if you give me some tools, I'll navigate. And I I finally found a good, you know, therapist that that helped me navigate and helped me use tools besides just counting. Okay, let's count. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five. Like, I'm done. I'm over it. No, I, I can't make it to five. I'm angry now. So <laughs> so I needed some help now. And Remember your breathing technique. Right. <laughs> like, In, no. out. Like, actually, no, I, I just want to throw something because that was my thing, right? I, I would throw things every time I got mad, in which it carried over to my civilian life. So when I got angry, I just I just threw things. I feel like if you in a counselor, you shouldn't though. You shouldn't throw things. But you know what? Like, say friends, like if you like throwing things and it made you feel better, you should have like those type of tailored like counselors to what you you want to throw this, and they just have these just like the expendable things. They do for you though. to just be like, ah, oh, throw this against the wall. <laughs> you know, there are some uh, therapists like that. You know, I personally just didn't find one in the Chicagoland area, but it's a lot of therapists out there that like they have. Um, like little techniques where you can just like go into a room with a bat and just start like just knocking stuff over and clearing it out and you know wow and and you feel better. I mean, they make you talk about it afterwards, but I'm sure it's a relief after you finish smashing up everything. Like, ah, 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 okay, and then you feel much better. It's you like, know? how how do you feel? Like, yeah, I just thought it was just like my commander's head. And I just smashed it. I just smashed it with a bat and boom. Oh. It's 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 morbid, but I mean it's a lot of it's a lot of a lot so of dark. veterans are morbid. We told the darkest jokes along that twenty mile ruck mark, yeah, ruck march. But the funny part was that we weren't judged. Like everybody, everybody saw it the same way we saw it. And so it was like <laughs> we we me and Tanisha made a comment like along the ruck march, like you know what? I couldn't have told these the same dark jokes around just like regular civilians because everybody would have thought we had a problem, but. Yeah. Like every everybody understood each other's <laughs> kind of darkness, and it it just made it funny for us, and I think that helped with the walk a lot. Yeah. You even have people that's walking behind you, and they could be Marines or <laughs> or just other Army buddies, mm. and they'll be behind you, and you'll be talking, and they'll just be backhanded, <laughs> like they'll just start laughing, and you'd be like, "You heard that?" It's like, "I, I get it, <laughs> that, <laughs> I get it." <laughs> I mean, we really share that subculture and that, that shared experience, and it it, it works for us. And I think on Memorial Day, all those feelings do come back up for most of us. I, yeah. I know today was kind of difficult for me. You know, I had a few ceremonies and then I ended up going to the gym just to kind of get, you know, just get some relief because, I, you know, I started thinking about everybody we lost. My first appointment was rough. We had like 90 casualties and 40 KIA. So it was mm-hmm. like very intense. And, you know, all those memories started coming back up. Like I remember... Uh, one of our casualties actually was, I, I could say her name. Her name is Sergeant Simone Robinson. And, I mean, sweetest girl. I mean, she had like a three-year-old at home when we left, and it was 10 years ago. And just a, a beautiful person. And to, to see her at one point and then to know that she went out to do her job. She went out on mission and, Didn't you know, she uh, IED, you know, it happened and that's it, you know. And she that's it for her. So you know, to think about that and to think about the the kid that she left at home, you know, it's it's all these this time of year is always rough. I mean, I thought about everybody, Lieutenant, with a whole bunch of people that we deployed with that just you know did did not make it back and, and actually gave the ultimate sacrifice, like like actually did the ultimate thing. And it's just it, it's 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 humbling, but at the same time too, it's just like it gives you that that reverence and that you know that thankfulness that you know that. You know that that you made it out, and you know to to keep them in your thoughts and, and prayers and stuff. 
Yeah. Their families. My first deployment was by far the worst. And my second was, to me, I felt like my second was considered like a cakewalk in a sense of yeah. we didn't lose anybody. But yeah. my first deployment, we did. Um, we had a lot of people who were sent home for injuries. We went through like three captains. Not saying that any of our captains were, you know, were, were killed, but like one... <clears throat> well, we had a couple of them just go home just for whatever reason. But our th- third captain, um, he oh, he was his first day on the job, and he lost two people that day. Wow! You know, we were standing; they were standing outside having a um, convoy brief between like three serials, meaning like three um, three convoys or just three groups. I'll just say three groups getting to go, getting ready to go and having their brief before they hit the road Mm -hmm. and mortar rounds just came, you know, out the sky and it just, you know, it was just a mess. Somebody Mm -hmm. lost their eye. People got shrapnel in the side and then, um, two soldiers, you know, lost their life right there. Wow. But before then we had already lost like three people. Mm. It was just by far like just, just the roughest day. And then one of the ones that stick out most to me was when I lost my friend, Sergeant Ivory Phipps, um, on our first day, like in Iraq, like our first, you know, morning, afternoon in Iraq. And then March 17, 2004, like that would be the day that sticks with me because I lost somebody that was there. They had already been through Desert Storm and it was like, oh, baby girl, I got you. And he was more like a, like a father figure because I was 18. He was Mm. like, maybe like early 40s or whatever. He already had like a 16-year-old daughter at home. So I felt more like his kid, like, oh, he got my back. He's going to watch after me. He's done this. He's, mm-hmm. you know, been there, done that, got the T-shirt. And then to lose him while standing next to him. Wow. Like, that's, you know, super traumatic. And I'm like, I don't always just think about him. You know, you think about the your the people that you lose on Memorial Day more, like just even more because yeah. everything is dedicated to the ones that paid the ultimate sacrifice, but you, you those people, thinking. you always thinking about them, always. Yep. So it's like you, and then those are the things that creep into your mind. And you feel like you have that that survivor's guilt. Almost, yeah, yeah. And we know a lot of people who dealing with this, you know, to this day that whole survivor's guilt. You know, we got battle buddies right now that you know still go through that, and and that's why you know, these things like the vet center and stuff like that is so important, especially for veterans. And it's hard when you're part of a community because most veterans don't, I mean, we, we strong, right? Who are, who are, right? So mm-hmm. if there's, if we got some type of weakness, we try to hide it, right? Cause we can't be weak. So a lot of veterans just don't get help and, and just go through and like, no, nah, we just push forward, drink water, drive on, but after a while, I mean, that stuff starts to eat at you. Yeah. And, and this is why a lot of veterans spiral is because we, we are supposed to be so strong all the time. We're supposed to be so, you know, I, I will use the Mentally term, tough. Yeah, mentally tough. Hua, hua. I will use yeah. that term. But, yeah, I mean, you just, you, you, you got to be all this. And then to, to go through all that and to hold on to it for so long. Because some people hold on to it for years, 20, mm-hmm. 20 plus years. Twenty. I was talking to a sergeant major today. I mean, 27 years of holding on to your emotions and holding on to grief and all this other stuff. Like, it's difficult. You know, you, you might have somebody that you, as a sounding board, you just talk to, but you still don't have the tools how to deal with it. You just got it off your chest. Now you, you finna go and, you know, man, move on and do something else. But it's still very, very difficult to deal with that for a long amount of time. A long amount of time, and I just really feel like it's. That's why I feel like it's so important for us to to be mentally fit as well. Like whatever it costs. I mean, nothing's yeah. worth your your mental wellness where you can't navigate life after the service. 
You know right. what I mean? And that that's so important to me. And I mean, my first deployment, we had, I, we did have a, a few KIA. And I remember, like, that was Memorial Day for me. Going to those memorial ceremonies, and it's like this big formation in the quad. I was in Afghanistan in Kabul. It's like these big formations, and you sitting in the, and you stand in the formation. A, I hate standing in formation because I got to stand still for a long period of time, <laughs> and I kind of got ADD, so I just want to move. I just want to run. So <laughs> I'm sitting, I'm standing in formation, and you know the sergeant major come out. Well, first they played this this depressing song. It's a country song, but I mean it had a little jingle to it. But it was so depressing because the name of the song was "Keep Me in Your Heart for a While," right? Mm. And so the guys just. Said, Keep me in your heart for a while. And now we had a memorial, so like now you're thinking, like, we'll keep you in my heart, man. But you can't cry. Like, so you just gotta act like the sweat in your eyes. And so, you know, the Sergeant Major come up and he, you know, say the names of people in the formation, like Gibbons. And you say, here's Sergeant Major, and or whoever the Bolian, here's Sergeant Major. Then he called the name of the KIA, like Robinson, and like nobody answers back. Robinson, Simone, Rob-. like that's hard. Like you'd be like, oh, man. My- like, but God. imagine doing that like 10, 11 times in a row. Like by the time that Sergeant Major is at number 40, like he like, forget this. Like I, I'm not doing it. I'm tired. You know what I mean? Because you've lost so many people at that point. Oh my and imagine God. sitting standing in the formations over and over again. Like diff, talk about difficult. Talk about just being, just break, break down. Yeah. It, I mean, it's a lot of times where I was like, no, nah, no, nah, it's just so, it's the sun got me sweating, sweat all in my eyes. And then I'm not good at standing formation again, I would say, because I like my knees. Sometimes I might pass out. But other than that, I man. mean, it, it was really, really rough. Sometimes uh, I just passed out on purpose. Like, I don't want to be here. I, man, I couldn't imagine being in formation and you know they're not here. And you call their name mm-hmm. and call their name. It makes it it makes it makes even more real. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was traditional. Like, he had no choice. But I, I'm sure he wished that he didn't have to do that. At least 40 times. I mean, that's crazy. And it's really rough. But one thing I can say about that Sergeant Major, which is why I respect him on Memorial Day all the time, is after we got back home, he went to every one of those people's family's house and sat down and talked to them about, you know, their soldier that, that, that passed away. That's leadership uh, right there. I mean, he was phenomenal. And it's not many people that would do that. 40 people. Now, you driving all across Illinois. You don't know how big Illinois is until you start driving around this motherfucker. It is huge. <laughs> it is huge. And it driving is. around to so all these different uh, spots in Illinois and talked to all these different families. I, I I commended him for that. I thought it was that like a was, tour, like a little soldier. I know, it was the like, map <laughs> it, plot it, plot it on the map. And yeah, like, okay, so this is close. This right. is down their way. Okay, we'll do south and then west. I mean, it's it's that's got to be rough. That's dedication, and he that shows that he really truly, um, you know, cared about you know his soldiers. Yeah, absolutely. It, it can be it can be that way. Like it, we didn't have that many that we lost. Like I said, we lost five people, and. It was hitting so close to us to where we was talking about what song we wanted to play at our memorial. Yeah. Talk about dark. Yeah. That yeah. that got really dark no. really fast when people was like, hey, well, play this song, you know, right. at memorial. I want y'all to play this song. And then I want people to dance. I want people to sing along yeah. and stuff. I want to play. And this, the, the saddest part is that, is that in that group, it came true for one person. Wow. And that's a surreal feeling when you looking like, shit, she picked out her own music. Wow. And that's the song that we played. And the songs that she played, now it's going to be synonymous with that event. Whenever you hear that song, it's going to be like, ah. You're going to think about them. 
Yeah. And it was uh one of them was uh Avril Lavigne and I was a big, you know, Avril Lavigne fan yeah. or whatever. Don't judge me, judge your mama. Um I mean she had some hits. Complicated. I, yeah. Oh, you had to go. <laughs> go ahead. But she had a song, uh, I think it was called Miss You. Mm. So it was like, I miss you, miss you so bad. Aww. I can't even really sing that good, but and then it was like oh, and then they played um Brandy. Um, from was that Brandy uh, and uh, Shaka Khan? It was from Set It Off. Um, oh, that 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 song I'll be at the end. You. Yeah, yeah. I'll find a way. Yeah, that that's, one. That is a sad song. That is a sad. <laughs> Maybe because you you thinking about the end of Set It Off, like damn oh, man. To, to she, she went out though. She went yeah. out though. She went out hard though. <laughs> man, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but Set It Off. And then uh, it's like. You go through so much stuff like war. It's it's very impactful, mm-hmm. extremely impactful. And we were talking about this before. What it's like we don't get a chance to really process anything. We don't get a chance to really feel anything. All the way down to like you know how they make us eat. Yeah, you eat now and yeah and yeah. <laughs> taste it, it later. It, it, taste it later. And it, and it's the same thing with our feelings when we're going through a traumatic event. We don't have time. We have to continue the mission. We have to continue to get on these roads. We have to continue manning these towers. We have to continue Mm -hmm. patrols. We have to to keep pushing. And we don't have time to to really process anything. And I equated it to um, stuffing your feelings in a a duffel bag. So Mm. it's like we steady stuffing this duffel bag, stuffing this duffel bag, stuffing, 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 Mm -hmm. and getting on the road ready for war and steady stuffing this bag. And then you got to eventually unpack this bag. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then when you finally unpack this bag, you you know, you how you look when you unpacking all your TA-50 and that's our that's our gear, our issue and stuff for, yeah. you know, any type of it's all over the place. training or whatever. You know, like you you got all this stuff that's all over the floor and you be like, "Man, all that stuff came out of this rucksack. All this stuff came out of this duffel bag. That's mm. our feelings." Yeah. <laughs> and we stuffing them and steady stuffing them and steady stuffing them. And then when we when we unpack this bag, now we overwhelmed. Yeah. It's so much stuff to unpack. And that's all of our feelings. That's all of our feelings of if we were involved in a IED or a vehicle-borne IED that detonated close to us. Or mm-hmm. if we was actually hit by IED, but um, our driver was killed and we wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're the person in front of you, you just missed that IED, that improvised explosive device, and it hits your friend and it didn't hit you. Yep. Or if you lost somebody that was standing right next to you, or if you were shot at, or if you were grazed, or any... Like, all of this stuff is stuffed in this bag, yep. and you have to unpack it. Yep. And when you unpack it, you're not even really sure how to get all this shit back in the bag. So now you're overwhelmed in that... That's when them dark thoughts start. Mm-hmm. All those dark thoughts start nagging at you, and you feeling like, man, I, why am I here? Should I even be here? Mm-hmm. And I found it more helpful when I've had dark thoughts because I'm, you know, not I won't say guilty, but I've had those dark thoughts. But what helps me is talking to my battle buddies. Yeah, yeah. To try to pull myself up out of those feelings, I'm like, and it's it's a constant struggle of feeling like, you know. Should I even be here? Why am I here? Mm-hmm. And I've had those passing thoughts to where I'm driving and I'm be like, man, what if I just run into this pole? What if I just speed up and just hit this pole and just and just leave? Mm-hmm. And that gets scary. Yeah. Or like I and I or just I don't know, just just whatever feelings of suicide that that creeps into your mind. I, I just feel like just talk to somebody because it's so scary. To where you have a battle buddy. And speaking of like 
uh, Sergeant DeLeon. Mm-hmm. We was in a company with him. And whenever I seen him, always had a smile on his face, yeah. always laughing. And I didn't know him in his person. You know, I didn't really interact with him too much, like on a personal level, like outside of, you know, military drills and um, annual trainings and stuff like that. But whenever I seen him, he was always full of life and always happy. Mm-hmm. And that gets scary because that the complete opposite of all the classic signs of suicide. That what he, what he was going through. And to find out that the person had, you know... You know, commit a suicide. You like what? What I, I didn't, I didn't see it. And right. that's scary when you don't see it because it's like, man, like somebody could be sitting next to me and we cool, we chilling, have like, oh, this is the best night ever. And then the next day, you find out that person is no longer here because they took themselves out. And you like, man, nah, nah. like, how do you even know? Right? Yeah, yeah. You don't. I mean, that's why we push the talk to somebody. That's why we push the, you know. Get help if you can. Well, get help, period, not if you can. Just call somebody so that we can work together as a community to get this done. Like, I, I can't personally help you, but I'm going to get you help. Or if you just need to get it off your chest, I could be a sounding board. Like, so that's why it is a community. Like, we, we, we are here for one another to, to help each other out and to lead each other in the right direction to get help. Like, hey, you got to be admitted to the VA or whatever hospital. I don't care. I ain't going to judge you when you get out and be happy that you better. And and that's how it should be, not a, oh, oh he has a mental illness? Ugh. Like, it's just like, man, he got help. I applaud exactly. him because that took some vulnerability. It took some, I just got to get help. And, you know, hey, he went and did what he had to do, went and got help. Now he's better, and he smells like pomegranates in the day, every day. I don't know, but, you know, as long as, long as he got help and he's doing himself a, a service, I'm excited about that, and I'm happy about that. And... There's a, a actually a national suicide prevention uh, hotline, and we'll leave the number at the end. Yeah, the, Tanisha was looking up the number too. <laughs> Let me look up the number. I started talking about I suicide. Like I, I don't want to leave it open. Got to have resources. But um, there is a hotline. We'll we'll we'll, we'll say the number uh, at the end. But I just think that Memorial Day is just a, just a time for a, a lot of emotions tend to get unpacked sometimes. Yeah, and to to alleviate that. You know, you should be around. That's why it is a day to be around your friends and your family because you do need a community of people yes. while you're going through it because it brings back up grief. And, hey, barbecue, you know, play volleyball. I don't care what you do. As long as you're around a community of people and you're kind of getting through that with your with your family and your friends, even if you're on the back end, you lost your husband or, or a child or, you know, whoever, it's it's rough on them too, you know, yeah. to to continue on as a family and still, you know, have that nagging thought in the back of your mind. So you need your family around you at that time. You need your friends. You need some solid people that's going to encourage you and can continue to help you through and continue to motivate you and drive you on when sometimes, you know, it gets a little rough. So, yeah. hey, and we know it gets rough. And that's, I mean, that's part of why we do the show, you know, because we understand how important it is to have a community, yeah. and we we want to help be that community for not just women, but for all our battle buddies, because we all in this together. And we just hope that um, you know our words and um, some of our stories can reach you and just give you that sense of comfort to feel like you know you're not by yourself and you're not the only one that has these thoughts and you're not the only one that has been through things. You take comfort in knowing that somebody has been through those same things that you have, and that's a that's a good feeling. Even if you sit in the room by yourself and you're listening to our podcast or you're listening to another podcast or whatever and you able to, you know, 
put yourself in that position to where you feel in the same thing and just that sense of um what's the word that I'm looking for? That uh community, family identify with. Or, oh yeah. Identification. I was not yeah. thinking of that. <laughs> that sounds good. That sounds good. Tanisha B, what's that suicide awareness hot uh hotline number? Um the National Suicide Prevention Hotline is uh one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five and that's one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. So if you were feeling those dark thoughts starts to nag at you and you feel like you need to talk to somebody and you can't get anybody on the phone, somebody will always answer that hotline and yeah. give you the assistance um, that you need. And in the words of Charlemagne the God, go to therapy. Get yeah. some therapy. That's his, that's his favorite phrase. Yeah, you been to therapy yet? You should go to therapy. Get some therapy. Like, come on, Charlemagne. Like, man, yeah. he, should, he should go to school and get his therapy. No, he shouldn't. He's terrible at helping people. But but there's no shame in getting help. Ain't no shame in getting help. I, I commend him even for, for going out to the comedian. Go to therapy. Go. You, did you get therapy? Like <laughs> every little thing. Some Somebody help. coming to call that. <laughs> you been to therapy for that cough? That's you know terrible. what? Go to therapy. <laughs> but uh <laughs> but hey, on this morning day, don't worry too much about thanking a veteran. Just reflect and remember and have some positive thoughts, positive vibes towards your family and your friends. That's what it's all about. Hey, yeah. Tanisha B, how can they reach us? Hey, Battles, you can reach us at Combat Divas Podcast on Instagram as well as YouTube, Combat Divas Pod 1 on our Twitter account, Combat Divas Podcast at gmail.com, Combat Divas Podcast on our Facebook page. We'll see you all there. Bye. Combat Divas, stomp your left, right, left. Combat Divas.